Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC, via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Connecting the past with what's happening in the future is no easy road. When you take the cavalcade of characters, the events of the last five episodes, the push towards infinityness, and the fact that somewhere inside this episode, there needs to be fun and games, well, there's a tall order waiting to be filled for sure. Inside this episode, Season 5, Episode 6, Fun and Games, we find yet another series of introduced characters, action, twisty turnies, and death. What awaits us inside this episode? There's only one way to find out. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping before we get started. The Castle of Common Sense. That's very strange that inside this episode we see a variety of deaths and that I'm mentioning the Castle of Common Sense podcast. I also, unfortunately, also have to mention death. The death of one of our very first podcasters and my father, Fred Wilkerson, who died recently this week. Happy trails to my dad. Mm. He uh, He's such a great dude. And I want everybody to go and check out the Castle of Common Sense podcast because, frankly, guys... It's the legacy that I knew we'd have and want to share with everybody because I'm going to share this with everybody and everyone Mm -hmm. in my family and everyone that I've ever met because he's been one of the greatest guys I've ever met. So everybody go check out my dad at the Castle of Common Sense podcast over at castleofcommonsense.com. You'll see a whole bunch of episodes spanning a variety of topics, interests, and opinions. The March to Infinity War. You know, we've put together this podcast that has a great following, and it all deals with what 
revolves around Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but more importantly, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. And one of the things that I saw as the new year began that I was incredibly enthusiastic about was your post hmm. about you watching a movie a week from now until the time that Infinity War arrives in May. Yeah, there, there just so happens to be enough Marvel films out there now to where if you watch one a week starting the first week of January, mm -hmm. it will take you all the way up to uh, when Infinity War drops the first weekend of May. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know what's really fun, too, is the the fact that there's so much Marveldom to take in. is something I want everybody to stop and take perspective of. Uh, there's a reason why we call all of our reviews of movies, especially big movies, and especially movies in the past, perspective reviews. Mm. Because now this many years in, 2008 was the very first year for Iron for Man. For Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. And yeah. Incredible Hulk, right. And... I want everybody to just take some stock as you either watch the films or prepare to watch the, the Infinity War film that's coming and just think about how much we've gotten that we never had previously. Regardless of the film, you can't stack anything that we've been given previously, even if it was another film like the other Hulk film. Mm. You can't stack any of that as the things have, as the deck has been now stacked for us from Marvel over the last decade of time. Uh, there's so much that's uh, stacked on top of each other that's grown literally as you're given the stories, the characters, mm -hmm. the things that need to be tweaked inside of a, quote, movie universe to to adapt the character in. Right. All of which I think have been mostly home runs, uh, especially when we're talking about the actual characters themselves. I can't think of a misstep. The, the, the characters themselves, the way that they look, the general attitudes of all of the characters, even the ones that they've kind of shoehorned in, the most recent being the Spider-Man from the Spider-Man Homecoming Right, film. yeah. Even the ones that they've needed to shoehorn in, they have that indelible flavor of, yeah, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that incredibly intoxicating when you think about a, a series of movies and properties that are all going to somehow be culminated into this giant treasure trove trunk that's coming in Infinity War. Yeah. I wanted to be sure that we talked about that because the variety of different perspective reviews that we have are available for you guys right now to go over and check out over at twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity. There you're going to find a complete listing of all of the perspective reviews that we have, as well as some links to some tidbits that you probably have never heard before, but it's just because you didn't listen long enough to the Easter eggs inside of our previous podcasts, especially the perspective reviews. So be sure to go check that out. Again, that's twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity for some extra special content on top of our excellent, excellent perspective reviews. All right, we've talked death. We've talked infinity. It's now time to review this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, Season 5, Episode 6, Fun and Games. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A new character appeareth. Another young buck character, probably something thrown in so as to begin stacking up to what's going on over on Fox with the most recent Marvel stack up where they have a whole bunch of really good detailed story pushing young people that need to be at least equaled out inside of this program so as to give uh, it some, yes. some gas. Yet, yet another character introduced. We're five episodes, no, six now. This is the sixth episode and we're we're introducing another 
another character. And it's not just one character that's introduced in this uh, this episode. There's a plethora mm-hmm. of new characters introduced six episodes in. Mm-hmm. That's it, uh, it's kind of unheard of this late in the game, especially where a, a story arc is concerned. Because I can feel this story arc uh, ramping up to a crescendo. Oh, yeah. I know eventually we will travel back. Mm-hmm. To our present time. Yeah, this is the first episode where I could actually smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's, it's in the air. You know that it's coming. Palpable. It's, it's sure. com- coming within at least the next episode or two. Mm-hmm. So to introduce so many new characters so late in the game for this uh, was a little bit jarring, but very exciting. Yeah. Constructing a history profile. This is fun. This is really fun. They've really created a great character inside of Enoch yeah. here. Kind of dry dry bone flavor, but all of the interest of the most intricate plate of spaghetti you've ever seen in your life. He's a very because, Spock character. Yeah, but with a with a giant wisp of we don't actually know why this guy can operate the way that he does. Right. And I really enjoy that. What it reminds me of very much was the flavor you get from the old school Watcher-based comics. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, the Watcher would see something going on and you didn't really know if he was then going to lay hands on the on the pawns on the chessboard and then screw with things and th- make things happen differently. And I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing what's going to happen. But more importantly, we have absolutely no idea what his skill set is. When we look at this scene, and the reason that I mentioned it is... But he can just sit down and go, okay, I'm not going to take the next 75 to 90 years to manufacture the perfect profile for this guy who's going to be a marauder to go and save the day. You know that If that's not the mind-blown moment, it really should be. You should really understand how incredibly intricate that could become. Especially when you've got that much, quote, time to plan. Right. Uh, you know, how are you going to build a bank account that's going to somehow be absorbed as time happens? Oh, and by the way, Earth is destroyed. <laughs> you know, all of those little intricacies that appear as nothing because of the way that they appear inside of the the time span of this episode, they really are master strokes that we don't appreciate at all mm-hmm. because of the time that's involved inside of the episode. I find that incredibly intoxicating, and it's why I wanted to mention this point. And if you if you take a step back from it, you also notice how simplistic it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're still, well we, said. E- even though we're in the future and we're dealing with aliens, it's still very espionage-esque. Mm. Hi, I'm M, and I'm going to give you your mission, 007. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we've given you this background cover. You, you are now one of the most uh, despicable people in the universe. Have a nice day. Go with it. And Fitz accepts the mission, uh, you know, tosses the tosses the recorder before it blows up. Again, it's an espionage show floating in the future over the remains of a dead earth. Brilliant. Yeah. Gemma, it's me. Don't turn around. What an effective use of storyline, circumstance, and storytelling here inside this episode. Right at the beginning of the episode, when Fitz is ready to come up and deliver this wonderfully thought out and prepared writing, none of which Gemma can hear. And I found that incredibly romantic. Mm. 
and, and, and the good romantic, not the crap that you get from rom-coms, but rather the, the stuff where you hear it and you can you can hear your heart sing. The stuff that uh, that uh, Marty McFly's dad, George McFly, talked about inside of the original Back to the Future Density film. has popped me to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly what this was, except that it was real. It was super heartfelt, and it's not the only instance that it happens inside this episode. But this is this is really wonderful, especially for anybody that's glommed onto the relationship of Fitz and Simmons inside of this program. Yeah, uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, dense again to use that word, dense layer of icing on the relationship that is the delicious pound cake that is Fitz and Simmons. I almost I almost thought that maybe she could see him in the reflect the reflection of the glass. <laughs> Because, you know, you can see her reflection as she's standing in front of it looking out at the starfield, but you can't really make him out. Yeah. And she kept on having this look on her face every time she would move and she would look up, almost as if she's trying to ignore the fact that Fitz is right behind her. And but just then, enough of course, so. Yeah, just enough to where I, yeah. I know you can't hear him, but I know you feel his presence. But evidently she didn't because she was blown completely away when she first saw him yeah. when she turned around finally yeah. after he touched her arm. Yeah. And the the fact that Fitz without missing a beat does not drop cover, does not screw the pooch, just keeps So uh I gave your your slave here an order and she's ignoring me. And chrysanthemums kind of all like, "Oh, well, I'm yeah. I'm so sorry, you know, that she's she's uh, only can hear the voice of her master." Oh, so how is that supposed to help us when yeah. we tell your slaves what to do? Yeah. How does that create the inviting environment yeah. for the people that visit you? I love that. Absolutely I love that. great. I love when Fitz plays dark. Yeah, I, I, I love it even more when the, when characters have something roll off their mouth and it doesn't sound stupid. Mm. And I love that we can continue to get that from this show. Yeah. It, it is what I'm absolutely in love with. It is one of the programs that I use as, unfortunately, the measuring bar of at all interesting writing for other television programs. Mm -hmm. Because as you look at it right now, and you've already kind of mentioned it, you can look at this program as kind of an espionage film. Well, if you can look at it as an espionage film at all, what you can also do is then glom on the other character archetypes that are built into this yeah. and go, if they can write it this straight, this simple, this bold, and it all works, why the hell can not other television programs? Mm -hmm. If it means you got to hire these writers, I'll tell you what. Let's kill all the other writers, and let's have let's have let's have the people that write this program help. Or how about this? Instead of we're going to use them Wilkerson's all. quake powers set to liquefy mode, kill the writer, kill the kill the bad writers. It's something, it's something. There needs to be something so that there can be quality television programming. Uh, there's a podcast I have in the pressure cooker, and I have not shared this with anybody but a couple of very select, trusted folk. Ooh. But it has everything to do with kind of the mission that we've got here at Two Guys Talking. The difference is that it focuses specifically on the, the amount of time and money and effort one collects when watching a television program and having it delivered to you or not. Mm. We'll have more about that as we continue on inside of this year, but I can't wait to I can't wait to introduce that as well as to get more of this awesome writing that just propels every single episode. The complexion of chrysanthemum is exceptional. I never realize it until they get right in on them again, but the makeup effects that they've put on chrysanthemum inside of this they really are extraordinary. Mm. It could be so stupid, simple to go, okay, he's got kind of white face with some blue mask done, 
and it can be really, really stupid, really, really fast. And it's not. The people that are going out of their way to make makeup for, for Chrysanthemum, they're going way out of their way to make it look good. And you can tell because when you get right up on it, it's grisly. The dude is not smooth. The mm. guy is grisly looking There's when you get right splotches. up on it. Absolutely. Uh, splotches and like the makeup is not, it's not smooth makeup. It, 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 I kind of think about Lieutenant Ilea from the original Star Trek, the movie, way mm. back in 79. And inside of that one, I mean, the, it, it's like you you could drop something into her cheek and you would see a water ripple. That's how smooth her skin is. Right. You take that in comparison to what you got here, it's amazing. It is amazing stuff. The no fear of the, whoever is operating the cameras and stuff to get right up on him is absolutely impactful. And it really does work to help bolster the menace of his character without him saying a damn thing. And it's really, really well I done. I love the makeup effects. Yeah. The, they, they've actually gone out of their way to make these aliens look alien. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate it. I, they, I, I don't think they understand how much I appreciate it. Yeah. Not, not only that, and it's something I was going to mention when we talk about the brother being introduced, but now is a good place for it. I also wanted to talk about the diversity of what they've got in regard to familial clothing line. Mm. Because you look at one brother, you can see one brother's got this jaggy V in the middle of the newest one. Right. And then you've got one that's got just horizontal lines. I mean, it couldn't be any more diverse. Yeah. Look at the black and white. Well, one's a darker blue, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while the other one's got this weird pasty thing yeah. going on. And you, you got to wonder, hmm. Was he not blue enough? Is is that the reason why yeah. he's he's the you know the the light blue sheep of the family? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I I, I love I love all that. I love I love I love more even the questions that you and I postulate mm. because we see things like that. It makes us wonder. It makes you wonder. And I think I want to say that that's what they want from from their their audiences. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna paint this picture. And we want you to ask questions because you're supposed to ask questions. Yes. And for those that don't ask the question, it doesn't mean you're a bad audience watcher. No. It just means that there are different layers for different people that want to take away what they want. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we can't pick on it because they're not ready to deliver the perspective review of it. But this is exactly what's happening inside of the most recent Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. There are so many different levels of takeaway that you can take away from the film, depending on your either level of zeal, your overall age, or your care at all of storytelling of what you're watching. That is exactly the same thing that happens here. The difference, of course, is that not only are the special effects good and high, especially for television production, right. but the story writing is just way above average. And that's why, again, when we get to get anything deliberate about the most recent Star Wars film, <laughs> but when we get the most recent Star Wars film, and then you look at this series, I, I should not be able to put this series on the same level and or better than a Star Wars film that comes out every three years. Right. A multi-platformed Terragenesis event. This was good. And the reason it was good? Because it's stupid simple. You don't have to have any elaborate, although I loved it in the uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. You don't have to have any elaborate chamber. Um, you don't even have to go stupid simple like they did inside of the series that I now can't remember the name of. Oh, in, Marvel's Inhumans. the Inhumans. Inhumans. You don't have to have the the thing that we go down to the the local Home Depot and grab one of the the garden profile box things that you stand in and water plants because that's what they used. You don't even have to have that. You can just stand there on a grate with some gas coming on it. Period. Paragraph and move the story forward. Yes, yes. 
Give me all of this simple, straightforward stuff that helps move the story along so we don't have to worry about it, except for the moments of wonder. And the wonder is, what's going to happen after Terragenesis? That's it. Just get us there. And then the storytelling does the rest of the work. Yeah. That heavy lifting that's done by the audience because elements of the storytelling are put into place. That's what's supposed to happen inside of storytelling regardless of the property. And this series continues to just shovel it to us and allows us to think about the storytelling all on our own and then follow the storyline as it runs in front of us. I love it. Yeah. Another interesting thing, and, and I am including what we have seen in Marvels and Humans in this example. Blasphemous. But well, you'll 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 change your tone after I'm done. Think, Fine, of, think no. of it. Think of it this way: <laughs> what we have been shown, where Terragenesis is concerned, is it is it is a, an event. The people yep. of afterlife took it very seriously. It was yep. it was a spiritual event. The people of Adelan took it very seriously. It was an event to behold in front of the royal family. Mm -hmm. The royal family was always present to, present to every Terragenesis event. Mm -hmm. Now here we are in the future, and it's become this, e even though the quote-unquote working class is told that, you know, if, if a member of your family goes through Terragenesis and becomes an inhuman, their status goes up and your status goes up. You will be well taken care of. They're told that, but when Terragenesis is, is, is brought about, it's a public display it's a public display almost almost like a, a county fair type of a thing. Yeah. Come and see, you know, uh Farmer Jim's prize hog mm -hmm. and have a funnel cake and and watch the guy who swallows swords. There was no honor in it. There was no grandiose there was nothing grandiose about it. Mm -hmm. They'd taken something that was so important to a race of people and just turned it into this, hey, come on, let's uh, watch watch the magic show. Watch the magic show. The 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 ten thirty show is always different from the five thirty show. Mm -hmm. I'll go even better. It reminds me even more so of the selling of slaves inside of the original Amistad, which is another wonderful mm. perspective yes. review that is awaiting. There's so many people inside of St. Louis that we could grab and just garner so much education for that. Anyway, inside of there, what you have is essentially a, a series of re remembrances and not quite flashbacks to slaves being sold if not outright showing them being sold. Right. That is exactly what I would compare this to, where there are a series of, uh, not only this scene, but this episode, where mm. there are a series of people that think they're just way above everybody else, and they're swooping in to check out what the rabble is doing right. and or taking, taking place with them. That kind of flavor is impactful, because that kind of flavor is always impactful. Yes, because the more things change, the more they stay the same. Very true, very true. Understanding how yo-yo's powers work. We all know that powers are going to expand and or change. It might be the saving grace that saves the perspective review of the most recent Star Wars film when we eventually get to it. However, I am curious as to how yo-yo's powers work because as i understand it we've done this i think we've done this at least four or five times over the span because i it's not it's not that i'm nitpicking but i want to understand them okay so if you and i are standing five feet from each other okay okay and i use my yo-yo powers to leech the pen out of your out of your jacket pocket and then go back to the place where i started from because that's how our powers work 
is that not how the powers would work? And you would just see me standing there now with a pen, or maybe you wouldn't. Your your pen would have just disappeared, and you wouldn't see where it is because I put it away before I reappeared. Yes. Okay. That's that's how I've come to understand her powers. Okay. You know? So where the hell did Flint go? Well, remember in the scene, she says, I can't watch this and leaves the room. So it, it's my understanding that she walked off to another area to where she could still Get in. see where he is. Mm-hmm. Grab she would have to be close enough to, to know that when he was going to uh, uh, break out of the chrysalis, mm-hmm. she would have to she'd have to time that perfectly. Right. So in my mind, she left the room. I can't. Oh, I can't watch this. Walks away, walks around through a corridor, and is all the way down the hall to where her eyesight is. Okay, I can see him. He's about to crack open. Okay, and now I go get him. Now we've already seen that it, it's no longer a straight line because that's when that's how it was on. That's how we understood it in the first season she was introduced. Right. That's how it was. They only did it to where it was a straight line, and then it seemed in between seasons she had gotten more practice, and it was no longer a straight line. Mm-hmm. It was. I'll run as I'll move as far as I can before. Oh, and I got to snap back. The problem is, and this is this is the thing that you and I have talked about several times over the last two and a half seasons. If that changed happened, it would have been nice to see a scene that just said, "Hey, way to go with your powers. Nice to see that you're training. Nice to see. Nice to see that all of that uh, that that training is paying off. Uh, nice to see that your powers are evolving." There's never been a a, a, a line of dialogue or a scene that actually showed that. You you and I always talk about foundational pieces of expositional dialogue Mm. that could easily explain things like this. And I'm telling you, this is how easy this could be. Whatever happens, you invent it. It doesn't make any difference how elaborate it is, okay? After the event is done, all it would take is Mac looking over and going, how'd you do that? And she goes, I got skills. Done. Yeah. Done. That's how. That's how easy all that. And the can thing be is, is that this show is is great where that comes into. They they have such great dialogue exchanges to where things aren't complicated yes. when we yes. get the exposition. Well, remember when they announced that they were doing that uh, web series, uh, Slapshot, Slingshot, or whatever the hell. It yeah, was yeah, called, yeah, yeah. Revolving around Yo-Yo. Yeah. But it took place between season three and four. Four. Right. Before you know, yeah, yeah because yeah. because Mace was in it. Yeah. It was the whole yeah. we're retooling Shield. Shield's coming back, so we need you. You know, you're an agent. Blah blah blah. And I was like, we even talked about it. I was like, oh, well, this is probably going to be. Where we find out how her powers change, how how because it's going to be about Yo Yo, and, and no, 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 it was about <laughs> Yo Yo's ex boyfriend who's <laughs> right. who's who's a bad guy, and she's got to go on this mission, and she has to lie about what they did. Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, like that was the story we really needed. Yeah, the story I wanted to see was how Yo Yo got her groove even more. Yeah, yeah, all of the things that were in, encapsulated inside of the very first uh, Captain America: First Avengers with all the Marvel one shots. Mm, yeah, the, the, I would love to see for every character that is not quote an established character, there should just be one of those that is a checkbox that everybody at Marvel needs to process. Mm. It doesn't even matter when. I don't care when, but everyone should have that just long enough to be exactly like it was the for the original one inside of the one shot for um, for uh, Agent Carter. Mm. It, it would be so wonderful to see just that. 
and, and a wonderful little piece that can be just sprinkled on, on top of the universe. That, that's why I really do hope that the people that compile the program, they really do listen to our podcast. I really do I hope, would hope that. I hope so. Because tiny little nuances like that, they wouldn't be terribly expensive, but the impact that would be felt inside of every single person that is at all interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's an untold fortune. The new Black Panther trailer and how it sounds. I didn't watch it because, as you and everybody that listens to our program know, I am not the guy that's going to watch every single trailer until the last day of the movie is going to come out in the so theater. what did you do? Just co- cover your uh, eyes? La, 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 la. I kind of just la, 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 looked at some, look at my phone, go and play with the notes, whatever. I, did, ah. I didn't pay attention. But what I did was I did listen to it. And I got to <laughs> tell you... I was only listening to the music, so that's a good thing. Oh, okay. Just I was listening to the music. The music's not nearly as cool as that very first music there was in the very first trailer. I know I'm going to catch hell from people that are listening because they're like, oh, well, if you don't watch a thing, how the hell do you know what the music's... Guys, I get it. But just knowing what the original music sounded like from the original trailer and what we're given inside of this most recent one, not even close. Not even close. That super dark... That they gave you inside of that first one is magical, and the one that I hope they use predominantly inside of Black Panther, because it instantly gives mystique. The one that was in the most recent trailer, crap. It it is it's something we pulled off of one of the archives that we use inside of Two Guys Talking to Him, so as to not get sued. And that's what I don't want from something like a Black Panther intro movie. I don't want any of that. I want that. I want that definitive flavor. I want that. You, there's. It's unmistakable. When you hear the Avengers, I, I laugh every time I walk into a room and I hear my daughter humming the Avengers theme. Guys, you struck gold. Alan Silvestri, you guys that built the original Avengers theme, you struck it. There's my 13 slash 14 year old daughter humming the damn song as yeah. I'm walking in her bedroom. You guys did it. You really did a great job with that. Don't ever cheapen yourself by utilizing what is subpar music, my opinion, obviously, but don't use the subpar music when you've got something so extraordinary from that very first trailer. It, it was just, it, it, it's night and day difference. Well, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with Damn you. Damn you, devil horn man. Because, well, for one thing, I didn't see a trailer because I no longer have commercials during my oh, Hulu right. experience. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because right. daddy ain't couldn't waiting deal no more. Yeah, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I need instant gratification. <laughs> totally Thank you very forgot. much. I totally forgot about that. But I will so that say means this. you sit and you watch 43 minutes of film right on Damn through. Damn straight. Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. If I need to go, I have to actually pause, pause sure. and leave the room all and right. come back, all right, all right, which all right. I very rarely ever do. Sure. But playing devil's advocate, I will say this. It's nice to know that they're trying to diversify the trailers. Making each trailer a little bit different is a good thing where trailers are concerned, especially if you're going to make three to five different trailers between the first trailer dropping and then, you know, two two weeks from now, here's our final trailer Mm -hmm. before the movie comes out. Yeah. If every single trailer is the exact same thing, only with maybe uh, five seconds worth of new footage, what's the point? They don't do that. They're, they're talented enough to where they add in a little bit of new footage and they recut the rest and they put different music to where it feels like you're watching something different when really you're not. 
you're really not watching anything different. You're, you might be getting five to 10 seconds of brand new footage, but it's going by so quickly mm-hmm. and it's cut differently to where you think you're getting something brand new. The music's different, so you think you're getting something brand new. Really, from a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant. Mm. But this new trailer, music selection-wise, just not your cup of tea. Definitely not my cup of tea. And the neat part about our program and what I always love about it is this is where we ask you. You guys tell us what you prefer. Do you prefer the ultra-kick-ass should have been used in every single trailer because it's that awesome music? Or do you like this other crap? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. (laughs) agentsofshield.tv <laughs> click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think not biased at all although I will say this anything X-Men related should always have that yes. I don't care what it is but that's it should in- always have that but that's incredibly unoriginal and doesn't utilize other elements of. I don't care out. fight me Vrilnexians the creatures of war I remember seeing this word inside the captioning previously, but if you'd asked me what the name of the roaches were, I would not have been able to tell you by any stretch. Well, except going back and listening to our review of episode one and two, because I actually did the homework and found what they were called in the comic books. Okay. So go back and re-listen to that episode, folks. I'll get rid of that. And and the, the, the gist, though, is that that they're given such a weird name. You'd never, never in a million years, unless you have any knowledge or have listened to our podcast in detail previously, would you come up with that name just off the top of your head? And that they've named them so strangely and put them inside of the, the propaganda slash history book that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is excellent. I also love that they're referred to with menace, and, and it gives you a pause, and that, okay, through that door is death. And it works. It works in every single instance that it's used inside of this episode. And that's what we get inside the epilogue inside this episode. It, it's really wonderfully crafted. And, and it gives that sense of peril. Peril that I know is now missing inside of what? 65, 70% of modern day film because you've either seen a trailer where you know that after said event, the the star is still alive or blathering in storytelling or well you know they've got to make it because they're the star i get that but what you are looking for instead of modern day storytelling effective modern day storytelling is some sort of sense of peril and if you don't have it you have nothing in regard to that roller coaster diversity that you need inside of storytelling right that reminds me very much of deep space nine not to glom star trek on everything but star trek deep space nine was a center gathering point at a nexus of a variety of different things Mm -hmm. whether it be spacefaring travel whether it be the wormhole that took you to a completely different quadrant or anything in between and that was the nature and the allure and frankly i think the success of deep space nine was Mm -hmm. that no matter what happened there the profile and stage was the perfect stage because if it was going to happen somewhere and diversity was involved this is where it would happen that's why I really think I'm enjoying this section. And while we do definitely smell the coming to an ends part of what's going on here, I, I, I think that's a piece of why I really enjoy this. Because it does give you that Deep Space Nine flavor of the look at this variety of different people from varying walks of life that are all interacting and working towards whatever goal is going to foster them, themselves. It's good stuff. <laughs> Inviting fits and the flavor that works. Compared to, say, a mirror-mirror universe. Those of you that have never been graced by Star Trek and Star Trek's mirror-mirror universe, essentially when I say the mirror-mirror universe episodes 
are basically a darker, more violent alternate veer, timeline. Veer, yeah, veering off of the original timeline of Star Trek and everything that happens inside of Star Trek. What has happened? I don't know anything about the most recent Discovery ep- series episodes, but it's too early if they've done it. They're idiots. But in traditional seasons of the other Star Trek series, what they've done is they've also gone to the Mirror Mirror universe. And it's had a variety of successes, but it's also had a a variety of very, I think, impossibly bad usages. Where it it got used because it's now become kind of a gimmick or hijinks. Where, hey, look, a white fur! Rather than it actually being a storytelling device. Mm. And that's what's maddening about Mirror Mirror that is not conjured here. Even though we're talking about a completely diverse, different kind of timeline. This is not falling anywhere inside of the same verse as a mirror mirror episode. It's it's all it all stands on its own. It instantly utilizes the characters that have already been established over a series of four plus seasons. It gloms onto the universe of what could happen inside of Marvel universe at all. Right. Um, everything that you see, including the the destructed Earth, is really well done and fits into any verse, not just the twisted dark one that might be might be quote mirror mirror universe what they've also done is that none of the characters just now have a yin and yang moment because they have a, a goatee put on their face <laughs> and i yeah. really appreciate that or a sash that they've thrown in and now they're just an evil maniacal character it, n- there's none of that here at all in particular and why i started with this point fits fitz's character could be painted as a black crayon period and have nothing but black darkness as he runs through the episodes and people. And they've chosen to not do that. That's a masterstroke. Yeah. That is a masterstroke. Because walking into this, okay, so now you are Fitz the Destroyer. And you're going to utilize that character throughout this entire episode, okay? Ready? And action. That's what this could have turned into. That's not what we get at all inside this episode. Well, you think you have to think about the reputation that Enoch has built for the character while Fitz has been asleep is this bloodthirsty marauder. Yeah. And now here he is. It's it it's Fitz. It's Fitz, right. It's okay, so you're like, hmm, are the stories really true or are they just stories? But then you hear him talk. You hear him talk in a certain way, his tone, the level of his tone and speech. The way he just casually talks about pain and killing and lesser beings. Things that he himself was very much for in his personality where the framework was concerned. So again, this is the marriage of the fits that we know and love and the fits that was created for the framework mushed together. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm fits. But now I have this to rely on, too. Yeah, and that you brought this up is a perfect segue into the next point, so we're not going to bother separating it. The next point was the fun, quote-unquote, of remembering Fitz, Fitz's father and his time inside the framework. Mm. And that's exactly what you're referring to. Yes. That, that they're able to do everything that I talked about where it's not just a painted, look, mirror, mirror, hijinks episode, awesome, let's go, and action. Mm. That's not what it is. What they've given us is this nuanced storytelling that is the perfect flavor of the not Mirror Mirror universe, but something obviously completely skewed timeline. Plus, he's been able to to latch on to and utilize the impact of his environment inside the framework for 
however many years, quote unquote, it was inside the framework, right. to impact his character and what he's saying back to Chrysanthemum. I thought that that was another masterstroke inside this episode. Yeah. Because taking that subtlety and that complete detour of he, he could walk up to him and totally be a Hans Gruber style character mm. where he could he could either be the angry Hans or he could just be the subtle Hans. He's not either of those. He's kind of this in the middle piece that doesn't make any sense at all. But that's what makes it make sense. Yeah, I love that. This is something two see even two seasons ago you would not think Leopold Fitz could pull off. Right. And now here we are, season five. Fitz is the badass. It's genius. Yeah. The use of the word vicar. Do you have any idea what I'm referring to? I know a vicar is uh something British. <laughs> okay. And I've heard it in a lot of British movies and TV shows. Oh, I was off to see the vicar. Okay. So, use of the word vicar inside of this actually comes from the closed captioning. So, for those of you that ah. are not watching with closed captioning, the giant blue guy inside of this episode with the deep voice, he's actually named the vicar. And inside of the definition of the word vicar, grabbed from one of my favorite, favorite references that we'll link up inside the uh, show notes for this episode, the visual thesaurus, we have vicar. In the Roman Catholic Church, a representative or deputy of a bishop also seen as a member of the clergy in charge of a chapel. Also, in the Church of England, an incumbent of a parish where tithes formerly passed to a chapter or religious house or layman. All right, so now that we've educated you guys and now we are the official educational podcast of <laughs> Agents of Shieldum, uh, the bottom line, though, is that, that they bothered the name, the no-name guy... And give him some lines, but then more importantly, you take these these three definitions that are available, and you can garner whatever you want to inside of them on this. But that they bothered to do that, I thought that that was fun, and I want to make sure that we shared that education with the listenership. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes than what you guys only hear or see on the screen, and any time that we can become privy of that, I want to make sure that we share that with you, because it really does speak to the same thing we were talking about previously where they may have never thought two seasons ago that the big bad, or at least the perceived big bad inside of this fifth season, is going to at some point be Fitz. Yeah. Okay, well, that's why we're able to do that, because of all the seeds and groundwork that's laid previously. But more importantly, this kind of seed, that gives you something that nobody would even known about if you hadn't watched the closed captioning. Right. Another Another way to look at it is... I haven't seen a lot of examples of religion in the future, right? So, and remember, they've they've the the Cree have taken away a lot of Earth's past, mm -hmm. its history, intentionally, in, very much intentionally, J just like the apes did in the um, uh, Planet of the Apes That's series, right? Originally, right? Mm -hmm. Doctor Zeus, would an ape make a human doll that can talk? <laughs> Sorry, that was awesome. One of the best moments of that movie. It was great. You almost turned orange. You know? That's I awesome. That's great. <laughs> but. The fact that they, they've named a character, Vicar, and uh, this is a character who holds the spectacle mm -hmm. of the Terrigenesis yeah. for, for all to see. Mm -hmm. And he's the one hunt trying to hunt down this this missing inhuman. Mm -hmm. The fact that they caught it, whether he was named that way intentionally by the Cree, or if it's just what they what they decided to name, maybe it's a Cree word too. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it harkens to Something about religion that I was going to say before I made my Planet of the Apes joke. Damn you, Charlton Heston. 
frankly, the bottom line about everything that's going on here in regard to storytelling is that it's layered storytelling. And for mm. anyone that's curious, whether you're a screenplay wander, a screenplay want to be, or an actor that needs to be acting against some sort of script writing, I'm telling you guys, glide towards the light of layered storytelling. You will never lose out whether you be an actor or a writer. You will always win by having layers inside of your storytelling as opposed to just a one note rope to something. Yeah. The value of a quick origin story. Not so strangely inside of this episode, we get the script given by Yo-Yo herself that would have been used to create her one shot from Marvel. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Marvel, go back. Grab the one-shot concepts for everybody that is an official character. So I'm not talking about Vicar. I'm not talking about even Flint yet, although if he sticks around, why not? But I'm talking about anybody that is a significant character inside of any series and or movie and give them their own one-shot that can be referred back to, that can then be put into a compendium of some kind, either online or inside a series of discs that you sell and make money from. The instant you make it, people are going to buy it. Right. I'm telling you. Even if it's a, a series of on, uh, online downloadable content only, people would buy it because they want to have access to it. And this is a perfect sample. Yo-Yo's origin story is probably the very first several paragraphs of what would be the concept and s screenplay for her Marvel one-shot. Right. I'd like to also point out that this is yet another Yoda moment. Yes, Yo-Yo is being given the mentor speech to Flint, very similar to Gemma giving, uh, what was her name, Abby? Mm -hmm. Was it Abby? Yeah, yeah. The girl who could become intangible or as solid as Diamond. The, the interesting thing is that where Gemma's approach was very scientific, Yo-Yo's approach is, I, I am an inhuman, so I can give you, I can give you the dirt. Yeah. This is how it was for me. I don't have to give you the science of it. But the science helped. The science helped Abby. Gemma explaining the science to Abby gave her the ability to control her mm -hmm. her her powers. Yo-Yo explaining just the down and dirtiness of being, you know, one thing one minute and then trying to get a, a grasp of being something different the next. And how fast that had and, to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and the stupid, simple one, two, three, four of it. Mm-hmm. Those things, while we definitely want layered storytelling, having a good, solid progression of what's supposed to happen that's clear mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, what was missing from the very first Sherlock Holmes movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm. In that I know that there are people out there that would have gone, oh, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Not me. I'm telling you, even after 65, 70% of the end where he's explaining exactly what happened... I didn't follow all of it. Right. And so being able to make sure that there is a good solid line that can be traversed even when you're providing it inside of some sort of assimilation speak towards the end of whatever, it has to be good and solid. And that's exactly what we get here from her talking about not being anything in particular special to being something incredibly special because of the power she now holds. Right. But it's all based on something super fundamental. I'm hungry. I need a hot dog. I'm hungry. I need a hot dog. I'm hungry. I need a hot dog. And now I need some mustard for it. All of those things just happen. And they are a series of the storytelling. 
Killing Ben and the Value of Character Generation Inside Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was sad to see Ben go, mostly because we have essentially nothing in the way of a telepath slash mind reader slash mental echo machine. I don't know what else to call him. That's essentially what it is, though. Right. Is that people can bounce off thoughts of, from and to him, and then they get them back. And I'm going to miss that. I, I am going to miss that we're not going to have a, yes, young person to fill that flavor and hole inside of potential storytelling in the future. Because if if all things were even and this was the end of the season... Look at all the potential power that gets added to the team as we finish out this episode. That's why I was very sad to see that he got he got got by creepy McSilver balls inside this. I wasn't surprised though. After the fight with after May, the fight, yeah. After the fight with May, yeah. I wasn't surprised because yeah. going forward, what do you do with this character's power set? Unless he's the one who's always eavesdropping on the bad guy. And letting the good guys know what the bad guys are thinking. The only other thing he's good for is, okay, well, I can read my opponent's mind. So I'll always know what move they're going to make before they do it. So any fight scenes are going to be pretty much pointless. Yeah. Because look at this one. Melinda May, one of the greatest fighters we know. She only had one good hit when she stopped thinking. Yeah. And she even says, instinct. didn't right. think, just did. Yeah. How many of those fights can we see before we get tired of this character? Yeah. So, so unfortunately, and, and I liked Ben. That was one of the great things about it is like in one episode, we were given Ben and like, oh, wow, I like Ben. Mm -hmm. I, I want him to stick around. But then when you think about character-wise and what you can do with that character, you realize... I like Ben, well, but I'm with you. He 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 is expendable. He he's absolutely expendable. In fact, I would say he suffered terminal cliche inside the fight. Mm. He's had a series of things that you can't possibly go back on. Right. So he definitely suffered terminal cliche. It might be the only bump inside of this episode that might be considered negative. Is mm. like you you get two or three beats into that into that fight, and you're absolutely right. The drawbridge has now come down squarely on his chest. What do you do with that? Yeah. And the answer is you walk over him because there's nothing else to do. Does Fitz need to be more bloodthirsty? The scene that I'm referring to here is in particular when Ben is being murdered. There's an almost apprehensive moment that Fitz allows to be showcased here that I thought was probably a tell mm, yes. if I were to give it something I else. I agree. And I, w I would have liked to have seen, you know, bloody well right or something, something that was just like, more indifference. Yeah, th that's more at, like at the, it. at the very, at the yeah, very something. least more indifference than eh, what, what, what's the point? Just let whoever buys him punish him. Right. It should have been or something, why are we... something like, you mean I flew all this way and you, one of your people ends up killing him. What am I paying for? So something something that, that provides him with that, I really, really don't care what happens here unless you really impress me. And frankly, right now, you guys are not impressing yeah. me. This was probably the softest moment when yeah. deal, while dealing with Chrysanthemum. Yeah. And and but again, the thing is though, is that as the episode plays out, it really doesn't matter. Right, right, right. But when you're watching the episode and thinking that this might be this well, we might be here for at least another two episodes and he might have to play this this long con. This might be the the tell. Yeah. This right here at, yeah. the, at that moment where the events were concerned, I was afraid that this was going to be a huge tell 
and you know Fitz was going to be done by the end of the episode. Luckily enough, that's not how the episode played out. Yeah. Becoming a rich rube and liking rock music. This is good. Mr. Identity gets gets in the middle of not only wanting to be money thirsty, not only wanting to be turn in the guys that have just been pissing him off. Oh, and by the way, he killed my my best henchman that they actually take the time to mention. Uh, it was something else we we're going to bring up. This is a good time to bring it up, too. Anytime a story can go back into previous episodes and leech onto things that have happened intentionally mm-hmm. where it helps make the story that much thicker. Man, my total props, because way too many stories and television shows and in particular movies don't bother to do that, whether there's not been enough time established or the writers just completely forget about stuff that's happened previously. And so there's no through and having the through inside of storytelling is at least as important as having good, solid story. Right. And, and we get the, that. We get that in spades here. Yes. Well, and, and the great thing about it is, is that it's an interesting character and it's a great actor playing that interesting character. I told you from 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 episode one of this season, having Pruitt, Taylor Vince be an antagonist, not necessarily maybe of a, well, I mean, definitely a villain in this episode. But before that, you know, he's just an asshole. Yeah. He's an asshole that. who has a station in where everything works, and he's this cog in the machine, and he's happy being that cog because it's a pretty nice cog. Yeah. But as long as, but all the other little cogs got to keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So until this episode, he really didn't scream, wow, villain, watch out. Oh, in this? Oh, yeah. Total, yeah. total asshole villain. Yeah, yeah. And then the other piece of this, uh, again, the, the quote rock music. This was a wonderful, expedited showcase of power where, <laughs> again, another irony towards Star Wars that we obviously can't mention because it's a spoiler, uh, just being able to have powers and do all kinds of cool stuff instantaneously after you've been given your powers is is usually a tilt. But in this case, I thought it was incredibly well put because it speaks to passion. Right. And the passion of endearing powers. In fact, that, that there wasn't a lot of control available here except for the compilation process of the rock because i mean the rock is then just thrown at the dude and thud it's incredibly effective yeah and 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 i liked it a lot again it gives us yet another character that has a power set that would be groovy if they could somehow graft him on to the team because that's another one that's completely missing Mm. we have nobody except for yo-yo who can go and grab something from somewhere else quick and then have it okay well a guy that can move things with his mind that's something we don't have. Well, the question is, is that can he move things with his mind or can he only move rocks? Because that's all we saw him move. True. And let us what not forget what gonna... his name is. Flint. Flint. Yeah. We could have been even more on the nose by naming the character Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he's kinetic. Okay. Than... Here's, here's I'm the total opposite. I think he can only move rocks. But now let me expand on that. All right. If he actually learns how to use his powers, just imagine this character being able to create a, a body armor of stone. Interesting. Well, just Interesting. Uh, just going forward, just something that could, if he if he does, if he's a, I know a, a geopath. I think that's what they're called when you can control the ground. Mm-hmm. Is it, if he's a geopath, I think that might be a very interesting uh, skill set to have, especially. We've talked about this. We know somebody's traveling back in time with our heroes. Mm-hmm. 
I, I know it. I feel it in my gut. Mm-hmm. We got to introduce a new character that is going to go back to the present with them. And the thing is that in this episode, most of the characters that we thought were going to go back with them keep getting killed off. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. I believe it's going to Flint. Flint's the la, really the last man standing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm super enthused. Uh, obviously, brand new Rube character. We have no idea what in the hell is going on with the character, uh, but it would be great to add on a series of powers that we do not definitively have currently. Another excellent interruption of being reunited. There's another hallway scene here between. Fitz and Simmons inside of this episode that is just wonderful. Mm. It helps for there to be reinforcement once again in regard to the endearment I have for their relationship. And you really do have to have a heart made of stone that only Flint can move if you're not moved by it. It, What I love about it though, Nick, is that it's stupid simple. It's not involved. It doesn't require a bunch of special effects, some, some moody lighting, and that's it. Uh, that mooding lighting, moody lighting, and a third person that appears, and that's it. It's yeah, done. That's all you need. And it, it's so special. And again, it 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 helps you understand the value that they're creating inside of the series with the characters. Speaking of interruption, the brother arriveth. We've I think talked about all of the salient points that I wanted to talk about the brother arriving. I just wanted to make sure that we set everybody where we are inside of our review for this. Right. We, we talked about the clothes. We talked about the complete diversity of his look. The only thing that's remotely the same is the color of their the hair on the top of their head. The rest of it is all completely different. There's no real way of telling that they're actually related whatsoever. No, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, it, it's excellent. They have that, they have that brother animosity Mm-hmm. If you had Scar, and then if there was another brother oh, of Scar, look, Father sent his best messenger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's good to see you. Oh, I see your slaves are now cleaning out the sewer in which you live. That mm, that kind yeah, of thing. That stuff. And, and I thought that that was effective. And the neat part is that it was effective without going over the top into Disney, the Disney picture. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it didn't I, get melodramatic. Yeah, and I really appreciate that because it could get, just like Fitz, it could get super dumb melodramatic. Bring me my bubbling cauldron of human heads. <laughs> right. And, and they don't bother doing that, and I, I really do appreciate that. And this is also the moment where the plan, if there was one, and Enoch says he has a plan, we just don't know the, the, the full extent of it, but whatever the plan was, this is the first real monkey wrench thrown into it. And more monkey wrenches are thrown in from this moment on. Yeah. Recalling previous events from five episodes ago and Flint's awakening. Man, you talk about, quote, baller moves. This is this ball thing we're talking about is when when he takes the pieces of the rock, geo, blah, whatever. The rock stuff and And, and, and makes it into a grill. ball and, yeah. kill, and kills Mr. Mr. Identity Man. But, but then what we're also referring to is again that looping back in of talking about things that happened in previous episodes and what we're talking about here is the killing of the henchmen inside of the very first episode right of this season and the value of doing that is absolutely indescribable but it is definitely there colson does it earlier in the episode when talking to yo-yo about not find not being able to find may like yeah. well she went up she went up against a cree i know that here's the thing melinda may at her best can take on the Cree. I have no doubt. 
But her leg injury, which she got in episode one, mm-hmm. her leg, she wasn't at 100% still because of her leg injury. Yeah. We watch this week to week, and every now and then there's a little bit of a lull. The people that get the opportunity to watch this as a binge show, when you binge a show, you're usually watching five, six episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. So, boom, you're watching this, and all of this is flowing together seamlessly. Yeah. Even episode five, Rewind, which takes com- takes place completely in our time. Yeah, I, I can remember the very first time that I watched something streaming all together all at once. The most recent one I can almost claim was The Punisher being released on Netflix because I was really excited about that being released. Mm-hmm. But I watched it over a period of probably four or five days rather than all together. The one that I did watch from beginning to end nonstop, the very first season of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And it's because it was there was nothing else like it. The release of 13 episodes at once, instantly shiny and new, nothing else like it, in particular inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so that is one where I started at 7 in the morning and I finished at about 9 o'clock in the evening. Mm. Break for a, for a meal, but then got right back to it, sat and watched the whole thing through. And it's, it is special. It, it, it's indescribable. More importantly, it's incredibly hard to make a series of podcast episodes that are going to be impacted with and by it. And the reason is because if you're going to sit and watch, let's say, three episodes, so 43 to 48 minutes times three. Okay, well, when is it you're going to stop and listen to our hour-plus podcast of the episode that's in the middle? Mm. And that's that's what really concerned me initially about something like Daredevil Season 1 being released. Because it's like, okay, well, how do we effectively do a perspective review of something that's going to have 13 episodes thrown at an audience at once where we'll actually have impact? Because it's rough. No. What, what, what Do you make a, a synopsis poll? And I'm gritting my teeth when you, I well, say that here's because the thing. you if, lose if, all of the detail of the true, format of what we have. True, If But if I was going to do it, this is just me, because there, there, are, there are a lot of different podcast listeners out there. Yeah. Some people like shorter episodes. Some people like long episodes. Sure. You can either put in the time and effort to do 13 review episodes of every episode of, of Daredevil Season 1. Mm-hmm. You just have to put them out when you get them done. Boom, boom, boom. There's there's, there's one thing, but that's going to take time. Or you cut the season up. You either cut it in half and do two episodes where you talk about as much detail as possible with episode one through six and then seven through 13. Or you chop it up into a third. You get to have a little bit more intimate detail, but now you've got three episodes that encompass a whole season of a show. Mm-hmm. And, and, that was, and, that's, and that's just my suggestion. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the possibilities are endless. How do you give it? How do you do it justice, though? There, really, that's that's up to the podcaster. That's up to that's up to you, Wilkerson. Yeah. How well, no, how do you give something justice? Something the value of everything that we do podcasting wise is that there has to. It's something I've always held a value, and I think it really does. It raises all of our podcasting above others comparatively because there's always an educational aspect right you will always learn something auxiliary than just you guys are jabber jawing about agents of shield oh who cares mr marvel comic book tv show that's not what we're doing here no what we're talking about is definitive storytelling the time that you take to watch all of it and or should you be watching this or something else mm-hmm. and Listening to our stuff, you get to learn more about how it's pulled off appropriately or not. Yeah. You get to hear about where you should be spending time or not. 
But most importantly, whether or not this show, in this case, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is of value to you or not. Those three aspects are what we pulled together, and having to somehow do that, uh, I didn't count how many, how many bullet points we have inside this episode, but if I had to excise, let's say, three-quarters of everything I'm talking about inside of this episode, you would not be getting a flavor that I, myself, would want to deliver as somebody that's trying to educate you about what you're watching mm-hmm. inside of this episode. I agree. So that's a that's a very interesting question. It's actually where we ask you guys if a show, and this is super important for you guys to chime in. I know sometimes you guys kind of blah, fast forward or blow us off when we ask questions about input, but this is a really important one. Were we to do a perspective review of something that is 13 episodes, just giving you a plot, there it is. Vomited out on the inner, inner tubes, how would you rather us take it apart, if at all? Would you rather have, this is our compendium review of season one of Daredevil? Would you rather it go into three sections like Nick was talking about, which I think if I was going to do it, that's the only way I would do it is if we broke it up that big. Because mm-hmm. breaking it into halves, I just... I, halves, you lose something. You, I, you, I think you'd lose Especially if you want it under two hours an episode, you, you're definitely going to lose something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let us know what you guys think by going over again over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us how you guys would like content delivered to you on things that are issued 13 episodes at a time. The peril of evoking a family member when the game is afoot. What I loved here was the kind of masked outrage that Fitz provides as the marauder to Chrysanthemum when he realizes that is well... You know, everything's awesome, except, of course, that, well, you'll be having nachos tonight because my brother's coming to take the destroyer. Yeah, you don't get the steak like you were. I was pretty much <laughs> going to hand to you because yeah. I like you so much. Yeah, because there's something so about much the like. cut of your jib. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But, you know, Enjoy the brother's nachos. here be, and he's representing daddy. And <laughs> yeah. I really want I really want to be in daddy's good graces. So yeah. enjoy your nachos. Yeah. yeah. This was excellent. And again, it's that it's that subtle flavor. This is the kind of flavor I was expecting four or five previous bullet points where we're looking for Fitz to be a little bit more bloodthirsty. This is that kind of outrage that I was looking for mm-hmm. in regard to being time to suckle some more blood as it's being spilt on right. the game field. Effective concealment. Inside this episode, we find the other... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gang hiding behind a door as the vicar comes in to find the rock music victim. And it was perfect. This is how scenes like that can be portrayed incredibly fast with no dialogue whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There wasn't even a musical cue that shoved into there anywhere. It's a quick glance. The camera pans over. It sees boots. We don't even see the rocks that are there. You see the vicar look in, he kind of looks around, he kind of backs out slowly and then turns around and leaves. Done. Magical. That's magical storytelling. It's great cinematography, and it reminds me very much of an effective comic book panel set. Simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Sometimes the most simple setup for a scene is the best. Yeah. Creepy McSilverballs gets the call. Wow. What an interesting, diverse story twist that was in here that we knew eventually that Creepy McSilverballs was going to get the call to fight somebody, whether it's going to be Quake or whomever. We knew it was coming. 
We just didn't know when, and we didn't know what the circumstances would be. And inside this episode, we get wonderful circumstances because, of course, the a-hole brother chooses the warrior to go up against Quake the Destroyer. Yeah. And it happens to be, ding, 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 Creepy McSilverballs, the perfect lieutenant slash concubine slash whatever the hell she is to Chrysanthemum. And the the torn nature of the guy that does Chrysanthemum, perfect. It is what I sensed way back when we met him and that there was this t- intangible I don't know what inside of his character makeup that was going to be called upon and this is it. Wow. What an engaging bad guy. Not saying he's, he's and we just interesting. Met him. And we just we met just him. We just met him, but just met him. there's so many different levels to his sliminess. Yeah. And this is just yet another example, but but one of the biggest examples. Yes, I know. We've worked so hard to get me here. I can taste my victory. And all you have to do is go down there and, well, die. <laughs> <laughs> but so but it's okay because you're you're dying for me. The cause, right? Yes, everything will be fine cause, for the me. Cause is me. <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely awesome. And, and there's no difference to his facial expression right, about it. Right. You can see the the terror and anger in Creepy McSilverballs. I was just like, how can you let this happen? Yeah. I, I've I've done a lot of shit for you. Yeah. And and this is also another example of. In six episodes, this character has maybe spoken seven words. Yeah. This is the yeah. most we've heard her talk. Yeah. And it, it's it's filled with outrage and a little bit of fear. Yeah. It, it's tremendously done. The Again, the facial expressions where everything is said by saying nothing inside of this little section here is just absolutely perfectly woven and, and a, a master, once again, a master stroke of storytelling. <laughs> Sending your one and only to do the death battle. Nick, you've already referred to this a little bit, but I wanted to make sure we spread it out a little bit more to dissect this some more. That he does it so flippantly and that it comes as a natural matter of course could easily be mistaken for he was a terrible actor when it was done. But he's not. No, no. The, The acting here is absolutely spot on in regard to conveying the story as it would be appropriate asterisk uh, it's it, it was wonderful and again the layers that we get inside of this just one very short scene that you would think okay so in the script in the screenplay it would say something like chrysanthemum sends creepy mcsilverballs to her doom that's what it would say this is what they extrapolated mm. and i love that i, I love all of that <laughs> Daring to hang yet another long-term character. Wow. And she's a minority, no less. Bothering to do this so quickly, nonchalantly, a very interesting call at the 80% mark inside this episode. This is the one that surprised me. I, me too. Me too. Uh, that she's been such a, a cog in a the machine female, so far. It, it, Nothing to do with, with ethnicity, because where the storytelling is concerned, she's a human, so she's already a minority anyway. Right. But she's a female character, mm-hmm. a strong, tough female character that we get introduced to in the be the first two episodes of this this arc mm-hmm. of this season. Yep. And 
she, along with Deke, who hmm, we haven't seen Deke in a couple of episodes, so I'm wondering when he's going to pop back Roach up. Roach food, sorry. He sold out uh, Quake to Chrysanthemum, and that's the last time we've seen him. Right. Oh, he's not Roach food. He's playing the long game, so right. he'll be the one that comes along and rides the white damn horse to that saves everybody, and then, oh, well, it's okay, you screwed us over earlier, Deke. Thanks a lot. Tess and Deke were the two characters that we were experiencing the future through. Mm-hmm. That's where we were getting our information. Right. More Tess than Deke. And to have Tess unceremoniously taken out during this episode, mm-hmm. we don't see the death. We don't even see her in danger of death. The last time we see her, is she yeah, she's talking to the vicar. And the vicar's threatening her. But it doesn't seem like, oh, well, now I'm going to stab you through the chest and hang you up for all to see. It's a complete surprise when this happens. And I was, I was, sh- I, I'm sitting there in my chair going, my mouth is open. My jaw had dropped. I was like, I can't believe they killed Tess. And you could see the anger on Coulson's face when he sees this. And it's Mac who has to pull him away from doing something. Because mm-hmm. Coulson wants to do something about this. Mm-hmm. E- even though the character has to go. Again, one of the characters I thought that was actually going to travel back and back to the present with us. But even though the character has to go, death has a meaning. These characters that we're losing, their deaths have meanings. When you look at them, Ben. Ben's death has a meaning. Mm-hmm. Here was somebody who... Didn't know Daisy from from Boo, Mm -hmm. but helped her. Mm -hmm. Helped save her and Gemma's life. Right. And Will, in fact, because we know that, you know, our our characters are going to go home eventually, helped them on that road. His death was a sacrifice. It meant something. Tess, also somebody who has helped our agents survive in the future, with the way, you know, the, the, keep your head down, work hard, don't draw attention to yourself. She kept them alive to get to this point, for Fitz to be here and for the plan to go into action. Mm-hmm. Her death has meaning. Yep. Her sacrifice has meaning. Yep. Hell, even Grill, his death has meaning mm-hmm. because it's a choice. It's that first choice a brand new inhuman had to make. What do I do? Do I submit or do I stand up for myself and the people who want to help me and save their lives? Well said. Grill's death has meaning, mm-hmm. even though he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. All of these deaths towards the end of this story, they all have meaning. Some of them are shocking. Some of them are well-deserving. Some of them you're very sad to see. All of them have meaning to the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciate about this show. Because they don't just kill somebody to shock you. It's for a reason. If Quake uninhibited can shatter a planet, why does there appear to be no fear from anyone, in particular, Creepy McSilverballs? Now, I realize Creepy McSilverballs isn't afraid because she's not afraid, period. That I get. And I'll take that and that's fine, that's signed away. But just a, a quick note of reference, a shattering planet Earth. Well, not only that, let let us not forget, uh, so she can shatter a planet, but your nice little energy field, oh no, she's not going to be able to get rid of that either. <laughs> what good is an energy, it, it reminds me again of that wonderful quote inside of Star Trek V, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> what, what what does Chrysanthemum need with an energy barrier when you're floating in space where there's no air? 
So I get well. No, see, I get the energy bearer barrier because all she would have, all Daisy would have to do is just liquefy. look, look at them, and go to liquefy mode, right, right? And that would be the end of it. So I understand it, but here's the thing: if she's the destroyer of worlds, we never really talked about the uh, the technology of the power inhab inhibitors that are inserted in the back of their ears turns on and off we we know that yeah but is there like a level is it like a dimmer switch yeah are you giving daisy just enough power to fight in this battle yeah i'm under the impression it's off well, right so if it's off what is keeping daisy from just going full-on quake mode and destroying the whole room right well and the, the answer of course is that one she doesn't want to kill herself two she doesn't want to kill fitz which i can i can buy and Gemma. Th that i can buy but if it's a, is it an energy barrier where it would be a bubble? Because here's what I'm thinking. Okay, inhibitor goes off. You either subdue or liquefy Miss Creepy McSilverballs. Then you you aim at the the parapet where they're all sitting, and you blow the building out into space. Mm. Because if there's a if there's a bubble, and the bubble is just going to be pushed by whatever power she has because energy field. Right. Fine. Let's assume that it's a circular energy bubble. And so they're going to get blown out into space, but the atmosphere is inside of that little bubble sure. of whatever. So now where do we go from all of that? Like, is the facility that they're in, is it where there needs to be an airlock? We, we've established that. Yes? No? I don't think we have. There's there's airlocks all over the place. Okay. So that would be another reason why they, they wouldn't do it, because if she blows a giant hole in the facility, well, how many more people die? I think so I think what I we that. really need what we really need to examine here though is the whole point of your point here is the fact that she is called the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Supposedly she destroyed the earth. Yeah. Look at it. It's right out the window. There it is. It's it's just a piece of, of <laughs> looks crust like, a, like that. Oh, it's very pretty out looks there. Looks like Look. a sacrificial donut. Exactly. <laughs> so it, there's the crumbs of earth. Daisy did <laughs> that. Of earth. That's perfect. Supposedly Daisy did that. <laughs> That's perfect. Yet Ooh, this this little machine here in the back of her ear—that's all we need to worry about. Yeah. And this the handy dandy remote control. Remote control, right? You know, it, it controls the, the, not only her powers, but you know the uh, the stereo system and yeah. uh, the, the, the power Alexa windows. Units, the Alexa units that yeah. are inside of the building. Sorry for those of you that have Alexa units. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't seem that concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Which may be the only real issue I have about this whole story arc is. Ah, Daisy, destroy your worlds, quake! Oh no, run and hide! Uh, uh, but they don't really seem that afraid of her, right? They they seem more. Oh well, look at this interesting bug. It's like oh, it's a sense of mm. awe. It's like it's like you you're going to you going to the circus, and holy cow, look, there's Daisy the elephant. That that's that's what you're getting here. Is this that, camel only has one hump. <laughs> she I've definitely never has more seen than that. she definitely has more than one hump. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I, I just boom, wanted boom. yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we put that in into perspective here as we're talking about this episode, because again, if she can destroy worlds, what what on earth would they do if she decided? What if she decided that life was not worth living, and so she does just open up and destroys the entire facility because it, destroying the entire facility slash asteroid slash whatever the hell they're on, not that big a step. You know mm. why? Crumbs of Earth. That's why. Yeah. Talking Tech. 
I love it when we get to talk about tech inside the program, mostly because, surprisingly, inside this episode, there's very little in the way of tech, except for maybe the inhibitors and, and then the gun that's showcased by the vicar later inside the episode. There's not a whole lot of tech it showcased at all inside of this episode. What we're focusing on inside of this particular talking tech are the taking precautions and letting the balls McFly. <laughs> and I love this because what we're talking about is one, the energy shield, which nowadays is a very cheap, inexpensive throw in technique where they're throwing in an energy shield slash barrier slash whatever the hell we're going to call it. Mm -hmm. But it was very well done and it was very quick. That was awesome. It was done and it was another monkey wrench thrown in because you could see Daisy. You'd see all of you their faces like, oh, drop. shit. Yeah, right. Out, there out goes the, the plan because uh, the whole plan the was the plan. I'm going to I'm gonna shake, rattle, and roll and we're going to get the hell out of here. Right. And then the next thing that happens is they decide to throw and again, totally uh, totally effective effects with everything that has been done with the balls that uh, yes. Creepy McSilver balls has been thrown. Yes. That, those effects could get so dumb and stupid super quick and they don't mm -hmm. they don't they keep the bar of quality super high on them and they showcase that inside this particular part of the episode wonderfully she's way less indirect than i would be i'd be taking a bunch of headshots instantly if i had creepy mcsilverball's powers yeah uh but that's me so we don't see a lot of that we see a couple of shoulder hits we see well, a lot also of punching with and you kicking. you would uh, on the other hand with you you would also just go to liquefy, liquefy mode instantly. where daisy is concerned and Instantly. creepy McSilver balls wouldn't even have the chance for headshots. Blue puddle with silver Two balls accents. sitting sitting right in the middle of it. Swirling the, around. Swirling in around in a little, little blue puddle. That's it. Done. And I, I realize that's cutting to the chase and definitively less dramatic than what you get inside of this scene. <laughs> but again, you kind of go back to the previous point. Um, uh, calling everybody that's listening. Destroyer of worlds. Crumbs of earth. If she can do that, I want to see something reasonably game-ending. Mm -hmm. Not only because it's what what should happen inside this episode, but it's what the guy that wants to buy her wants to see. Right. I, I would have liked to have seen something else that was super definitive. We didn't get super definitive, in my opinion. That's what we ask you guys. What did you see inside this episode? The tech inside of this episode. Let's talk about it. Go over to our Facebook presence. Start participating in any of the threads that are there or start your own and let us know what you think was worth talking tech inside this episode. There's a lot to talk about here. It's the escape. It's the violence that's done as everybody's leaving. And of course, the night, night gun, night, night gun, Ugh. night, night slash underscore gun. We we moved past this several seasons ago, Wilkerson. I don't know why in this when, season. When are just we just in the last two episodes? Even when are we going to have them acquire like a real gun? Sometimes they I'm tired use of putting real people guns. To sleep. Sometimes, yeah, but like look at and all the sometimes they don't. Look at all the people that are going to murder here. Sometimes you don't need to be all murdery. Here's the thing. It's here, an alternative it, timeline. As soon as you fix all this, these people never 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 even here. True, or. Because they introduced the concept of the multiverse, maybe this timeline will exist. Now that's gonna that, that, that could hurt your brain because want... multiverse travel does hurt one's brain. That'd be a whole another talking tech moment. No, it wouldn't. It would be a very short one here because it wouldn't exist in this timeline. Oh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, l l let's talk about the escape. The escape is pulled off. Luckily, G the escape yeah. is pulled off. Yeah. Gemma is able to pull out the butter knife. She's got well, you know, you got to spread the butter. Yeah. In the future, you got the butter, so you can use it. And I, the thing is, is that it had ridges. It wasn't just a butter knife. Yeah. It had little 
It had the snake knife indentations towards the top of it. So I'm not saying Chrysanthemum is dead from his slit throat, but he is definitely injured. Is this where we're going to have a medical robot that's stitching him up and go, Sir, if the cut were only one quarter of a centimeter from where it happened, you would be one dead chrysanthemum, well, sir. Well, you know what? I guess we're going to have to wait until next week's episode. <laughs> I guess we are. I guess we are. But so, he gets his throat slit. He gets his throat slit. So Gemma out gets of the away. Gemma gets away. And Fitz starts blasting away with the icer. I, oh, that's right. Icer. Got it. All Takes right. some icer. people out. Yes. Right. They reactivate the force field so they can't come after anybody. Right. And they get away. They, they pick up Daisy, who tried to be a badass, and her powers were turned off, so unfortunately she fell flat on her face. Right. Literally. Right. But I think the greatest part of this escape is Fitz and Simmons finally being reunited. The kiss, the, 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 the base, I love you, and, you know, don't ever let me go again. Well, why don't you just marry me? Fine. I will. But, you know, technically speaking, I asked you to marry me first. You couldn't hear me. You couldn't hear me what I said. But I said it first. I asked first. Oh, whatever. Right. Yeah. I said everything that you're ever going to say to me better than you did previously. That's correct. You never said better. You just (laughs) said it first. (laughs) There is a difference between being first and being better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we we have the escape and it's pulled off and- But we know that it's not done. Right. But right. we know we know this is just the beginning of that escape. Right. Well, not only that, it's also not even halfway through the season. And so we know oh, that there's well, all yeah. kinds of awesome going to happen. And that's again, that's a that's the piece of this series that I love to foster is that we know that there's more to come and it's not just going to leave you hanging. Uh, and if it does leave you hanging, it's not going to leave you hanging inappropriately. Right. And I love that. Enoch heads to the surface. Another interesting little tone here. Enoch has painted himself blue slash taken the blue pill slash insert however else he is able to become Cree blue camouflage, guy. I'd like to call it. Cree camouflage. Sure. The, 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 the Cree button. Smurfing it up. Right. And he heads to the surface door and night-night gun to now is Mr. that Was that the surface gun? Was that the door to the surface? Is that, yeah. Is that what it said? Yeah. Yeah. There was a sign on there and it said, surface. Really? No, I don't. Because how but, could it go to the surface? Because it's not attached. We don't know that. I mean, yeah. do you do you understand the? We do I'm not, hold on. But we do know uh, that we've hold, seen we've hold seen on, them hold, hold on. on in the lighthouse looking on. at the cracked earth, the crumbs. Right, right. But is the establishing shot there that we don't know that he's left the facility, mm. gone to the entryway of the surface, and there he is. So that during the commercial break after we've seen the escape and time continues after the venereal disease medicine commercials that you are watching yeah. were going on, that is a piece of the adventure that also partakes. You know, uh, he ha- that has to be the door to the surface, that or I guess to a shuttle? But why would he tell the vicar, hey, I gotta go to the surface? And he goes, well, you know, if you go to the surface, there's all well, kinds of... He didn't say I'm going to the surface. The, the big blue guy, because that wasn't the vicar. Just another big blue Cree. Oh, okay. Wasn't the vicar? The vicar. You can tell. You can tell the difference because the vicar was actually played by an African American actor. Okay. Where this guy is just a big burly, burly white guy. dude. Okay. And this guy asked, "Don't oh, don't you know where that leads?" Doesn't say it's to the surface or anything. The surface like where the roaches are. I don't think it's to the surface. I think All it's right. to another level that's 
we haven't been to yet. All right, so and that's where we ask you guys, uh, what was through the door that Enoch penetrates after the night-night gun comes out again? Let us know what you think by going over to our you website. You just want aimless violence? You just want Cree blood all over the place? No, I don't. I just want there to not be the night-night gun at all. Tranquilizer guns, then? No, I don't want tranquilizer guns. I want dead people, dead people. Okay, so you said you want dead people. I, I want there to be some finality isn't there enough, people getting Isn't shot. there enough death already in this show? All that blue guy's going to do is he's going to wake up, pissed off, realize he got an ass made of him, and now we've got yet another enemy to deal with inside of this timeline. I just don't think that we need all of this violence. <laughs> I can't even say that seriously. Uh, no, no, nobody can. And that's why we ask you guys again. Go over to our website, agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think as we go to break. Be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. You're probably already editing your own podcast. You may be editing other people's podcasts. Ever thought of making even more money editing podcasts? EditorCore.com is looking for a few good editors to edit podcasts inside of the EditorCore.com effort. Take the experience, skills, and knowledge you've collected over the years as you edit podcasts and embiggen your wallet and or purse. It's time to start monetizing the process of editing podcasts. Make your way to editorcore.com. Help us make podcasts soar at the editor core. Editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational and fun review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time we're focusing on Season 5, Episode 6, Fun and Games. In this case, when the fun resumes, it's time for Nick and I to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. 
The Shield dossier is where Nick and I find an interesting tidbit, an actor's portrayal, or a piece of storyline that's tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Something that we didn't talk that much about in the review. The gathering of all the scum and villainy to the auction of the Destroyer of Worlds. Mm-hmm. I had I had problems. I had I had I had just one major problem. Okay. For every four distinct alien or alien-esque looking characters that they introduced, you know what was really missing? Something truly alien. Speciesist. Fine, call me a speciesist. I don't care. <laughs> Here's the thing. This may be, and, and and maybe it's because of your your Star Trek upbringing. Mm-hmm. But for me, not all aliens are bipedal. Not all aliens have two arms and two legs. And I'm actually kind of getting tired of only seeing aliens with two arms and two legs. Okay. So you want gelatinous form? Fine. Blob. Give me gelatinous form. Okay. Here's something, uh, dear Marvel, a character that is a garbage bag. No, what, no, with don't want to hear it because in the comic books they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but in the comic books it's a drawn frame, dude. You don't have to okay, make it. Okay, you anything. know what? Here's a show a show you don't watch, but I do. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who. Okay. Doctor Who is very meticulous when it comes to mixing up their alien races because mm-hmm. not all of the alien races have two arms and two legs yeah, many, and one head. How many episodes are in that Doctor Who season? In a season, 13, yeah. episodes, 13 episodes per season. Okay. All right. Just, I'm, I'm, not also, even, I'm not even drawing reason Also allows them to uh, stick on story and uh, sure. not, not do filler episodes. Sure. You mean the filler episodes like what we haven't seen inside of Agents for what? Four whole seasons? I'm not talking about Agents specifically. Oh, okay. I'm talking All about right. the 22, se- 22 episode season versus the 13 oh, episode yeah. season. No, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. I'm the there. 13 I'm episode there. season is superior in my mind because you have less time to screw it up. Sure. Now, luckily enough, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the last two seasons, they've stayed on task. Could they have benefited from shorter seasons? Uh, yeah. Because guess what? That's more money. If you're doing less episodes, you got more money to play with. Mm-hmm. And maybe, just maybe... I would have gotten myself an alien with uh, tentacles for arms instead of two hands. Got it. That aren't even colored a different color. I mean, there was one character that the 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 guy who brought the slug jelly or whatever it was. It's a straight up looking human cre- guy. It probably mm-hmm. was a human. Sure. Okay, so if it's a human, what makes him different than all these other humans that are on the lighthouse? But if he's not a human, how is he not a human? At least in earlier episodes, we were given those aliens that looked exactly like humans, only they had red eyes. Oh, oh thank you for giving me something that lets me know, oh, you're not human, you're, you're an alien species that looks humans <laughs> with red eyes. Point, point taken. Point taken. That's, that's, my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with the fact that, hey, mix it up a little. It's the same problem, and I've brought this up before, it's the same problem with all of the inhuman powers. We don't have enough people look looking inhuman. Ooh, I got a couple of bumps here on my forehead. Oh, I must have that old Klingon germ. Give me something that looks alien. Oh, wait, none of the inhumans currently have anything that looks different. Triton's alive, remember? 
Triton. I, I you keep hearkening back to that series. It's part I'm of the it's part it. of the damn Marvel I'm Cinematic Universe. It, it I'm is not part do it. of it. The guy was around for two, uh, one and one and a, maybe even two uh, and a half episodes. Mike, he was there for. That's he only, wasn't even there for a full that's half of an episode. Only where he appeared in that many episodes. It's fine, but at least he looked different. At least he, he had around, green skin. He was around for about eight minutes. At least he had I green skin. I will not acknowledge that. Try, you know what, Gorgon. He had the hoofed feet when he wasn't wearing those fancy boots. No, he didn't. He had orthopedic footwear. That's right. it. He okay. had nothing else. My, my point is exactly. particular, he had bad acting. So these, he didn't even have that. These beings that are one part human and one part Cree science experiment should look human. Can I not? Can do you not agree that there should be some more diversity in the looks of the of, of these characters? If they give me decent powers, I really don't care. It, 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 so if the power is cool, on, you on. can look like a human all you want. Here, well, and here's your sample, Daisy. What what kind of alien wear would you like Daisy to be wearing, except for maybe a third breast? Technically speaking, a Daisy was one of the first Inhumans introduced on this show, so her looking human, that's fine. But as we went on. Uh, it wasn't until uh, Flowers, the girl in the flowered dress, who then became an Inhuman, mm -hmm. and she was all spiky. Yeah. That is the most alien, or, I, or if alien bothers you, non-human we've ever seen on this show. Sure. And that was back in season three. Sure. Why can't I have that now? It's been three seasons, Mike. G give it to me again. I, dude, I get but give it. it. Give it to me in alien form. Sure, I, I get, just want a little bit of diversity. I get it. I the I think the big problem that we're looking at right here is one: the most recent Inhuman that we've got is a young black dude. They're not going to go in deep to change the young black dude. Fine, but again, the point of my dossier is not the Inhumans; it's the aliens, aliens representation, right? And they're all walking upright on two legs, two arms, one head, and pale skin. Yeah, I, and you and I are on the same page here. I just don't require it to be inside the storytelling to have effective storytelling. Because I will take ten different Inhumans slash alien representations that are all effective storytelling before I'll take even one decent alien. I mean, do you, do you not agree there? That That's the whole Babylon 5 factor. I don't know anything about Babylon 5. Okay. I never watched Babylon 5. It okay. never appealed to me. My loss, I guess. Well, no, it's not your loss. It's just that it's another different type of storytelling where there are many different alien races represented by many different alien races. At least they look different. They, they did look different, except that it, when you lose, again, it gets back to the whole question. If you have on a teeter-totter, and I know you're going to say shoot the metal and get both, but if you have effective storytelling on one end and alien representation in the other, how do we find the balance when the scales tether one way or the other, not in the middle? I'm not even talking about scales, man. These characters were introduced for a specific purpose, to be background setting for the auction. The simple fact that they were allowed dialogue, well, that's nice of the, that, that was very nice of the, the writers to give them. I'm talking about the set dressing. I, at least something where, where Star Trek Deep Space Nine was concerned is in the background, while your characters are walking through the promenade, having Aliens their conversation, you're seeing it behind. In, in, it's the set dressing, Mike. Absolutely. I want I set dressing. We had one character, female character, about seven foot, looked like she was something out of a, a Conan the Barbarian movie. That looks human, but alien enough to where, okay, okay uh, alien race of uh, warrior women, okay. But then you have her sitting next to Fitz. Here's a human, but he's a badass human. 
But then right across the table, you got some dude dressed in gold robes who looks human as well. They didn't even bother to give him different eye color, yeah. uh, 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 ridges on his forehead, Bump something. Right. Something. Sure. And that's what I'm asking. I want the diversity in aliens for the background set dressing. I want this to feel like it's alien. Acknowledge. It's one of the one Acknowledge. of the things that I enjoy about the Guardians of the Galaxy films. Mm-hmm. There's only one human character, one human character in those films, Star Lord. Now, yes, there are alien species that look human, and I'm, again, I'm I'm not necessarily totally on board with that, but at least they don't say that they're human. But in the background, you're seeing all this alien life. Without two legs, without two arms, without pale white skin, I'm just I'm just asking for some diversity for my background. Uh, and I think that's very well said. I think that's very well said. Inside of my dossier for this episode is Nick's anger, <laughs> my white hot hate at the fact that evidently my need for diversity in the background. Oh, that doesn't matter to the storytelling. Uh, yes, it does, because this is a visual story medium. It, it does, but I'm telling you, if I have El Crapo storytelling, and my God, the aliens were immaculate inside that scene where they said no dialogue at all. But if I, I have great storytelling and everybody looks the same, I'm not going to buy the storytelling. I, again, I get what we want here is down, somewhere <laughs> down the middle. Right, somewhere, somewhere down the middle where we get all of it in one sandwich. Give me a jelly man. Right. I want a jelly man. <laughs> That That's a man made of jelly. Right. That that would be another order for a dark garbage bag alien Marvel, according to Nick. All right. Anyway, uh, my dossier inside of this episode has got to be filled with the ability to have a story so well told that it spins an initial thirst for hatred. When I first got done with this episode, I had to watch it a second time. Okay. Because after I got done watching it the first time... I was not sold on this episode. Really? No. And anytime I know I have not given this show a chance, it's because I'm not paying attention. Okay. And not to, not to pile on, but my dad dying definitely took most of my attention. Understandably. Yes. And, and so four days later I sat down alone with my notes because I didn't take notes the first time either and sat down with my notes and then started understanding a lot of what I was seeing because I was taking notes on it and processing it differently. Mm-hmm. So again, just the, the value of the general writing ability inside this program to take what could have easily been a filler episode. Okay. So this episode, the brother of the guy that owns a facility stops in Fitz gets the people and they get away. I mean, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that could get really, really white and black painting. But as you and I have now talked about for over an hour, God, almost two at this point, is that's not what happened here. Right. And that we've got incredibly diverse storytelling going on here, as well as interwoven storytelling from previous episodes and previous seasons that's all incredibly effective. That's my dossier inside this episode. And that's what we ask you guys. What's inside your dossier for this episode? Season 5, Episode 6, Fun and Games. Let us know what you think by going to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. We get to the all-defining rating inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where Nick and I provide you a ranking of this episode. The scale works thusly. 
10 is on top. Immaculate alien background story told episode for all to behold. A 1 is down on the bottom, something we're clearly not going to see inside this episode. A 7 is an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no aliens inside the... I'm kidding. There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I will unleash my white hot hate <laughs> upon this podcast studio. Uh, what's there? What's there to say that we haven't said already? In, in in the amount of time that you could actually watch this episode twice, three times, three times now. Ten. I'm not. I'm not going to mince it. I'm not going. I've talked enough tonight. Yeah. Ten. Ten. It's a ten episode. Yeah. Even with my dislike. Of the fact that there is not enough set dressing to make me feel like this is alien and alien things are happening, it still doesn't take away from the storytelling. Yeah. It would only improve upon it. It doesn't take anything away. So there's no negative points there. I got nothing nothing else to say. Ten. Good. I, I think I'm going to need some processing time to tell you my incredible amazement and excitement about this episode 10 and that's where we ask you guys that's where we ask you guys what did you think of this episode season five episode six fun and games that was just so much fun let us know what you think again by going to our facebook presence that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast chime in on any one of the threads there or start your own and tell us what did you think Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication.